Alright now, baby, welcome back to PTD Radio, and we coming from you live. I know all the fans around the world have been missing PTD Radio. I've been out in Las Vegas doing a bunch of things I cannot talk about. Now you might be saying, Pat, Pat, how you do it? Like, no, 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 that's not what y'all saying. Pat, why were you in Vegas for three weeks? Well, baby... I ball out, you know what I'm saying? I do it big. I ball on these haters. I ball so hard, got these muffs trying to find me. Okay, now, see, here's the scenario. Let me paint it out for you, baby, okay? You might even ask, Pat, why didn't you go to UFC 239 International Fight Week? Well, baby, we all know the main reason I was in Las Vegas, okay? I was not worried about them fights, I hope. That my good distinguished guest Cole, hello Cole. PT Radio is canceled. Does not want to talk about those fights because that is the only thing that I require from this podcast to not touch on those fights at all. This, your radio show has been canceled. Uh, it's been replaced with a children's gospel. Ladies and show. gentlemen, I am uh, really sad to say we have uh, lost. Cole BDC Henry here on PTD Radio. He passed away about four seconds ago. He took a sip from some laced coffee. You poisoned me? And uh, he is dead. I know y'all think y'all hear him. Hello, everybody. I am Patrick the Dog Shaheen. And I am uh, Cole Henry. And this is PT. Uh, this is the MMA Um, I would say that... PTD radio. Somebody called and complained about PD, PTD radio, but but nobody listens to PTD radio. That's uh, what the people come for. The the people the people show up five minutes late. <laughs> the people love PTD and PTD radio. Uh, um, it's a fact. The people love. Oh, okay. What are we talking about? Um, I guess we're gonna talk about UFC. Nah, trash card, bro. Mm, trash, uh, card. trash is is. Um, I'll tell you what's trash. Uh, the Pelicans' chances of winning the Summer League without Zion. Um, um, they're dominating the Bulls right now. Um, oh, the Bulls. Yeah. When was the last time the Bulls were good? Well, they're Summer League, they're summer league team. We, we have uh, someone in the studio office being very noisy. I would love to criticize his... Uh, Multiple things about them, but we are a very family-friendly podcast. Mm. All right, on to UFC 239 before you ramble yourself into a hole. Um, I'll tell you what, bud. You know what You know what I'm going to compare you to? A goat? The goat? You know that... Michael Jordan, Tom Brady? You know that strip of... Tiger um, Of tape that people hang in restaurants to catch flies Serena, on? Serena Williams? No. Oh, um, no, I'm just throwing out the. I wouldn't you know, compare you to Wayne Serena. Wayne Gretzky, you know the greatest. No. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm the fly uh, sticky. Uh, you tape. know, you know Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. You know his drunk brother. I I'm familiar with the man. Okay. Uh, UFC 239. Uh, what did PTD uh, think? It about? was an amazing card, man. Uh. We picked it on our other podcast we are on. It's called The Number One Bullshitters, uh, featuring Devin McGrath and Raymond Freeman. Ray Vaughn, excuse me. Wow. I'm sorry, Ray. Please don't be mad at me. Uh, 
I predicted it, and so it was predictable for me. But uh, no, great fights, uh, really entertaining stuff, man. It was uh, best, damn good card, damn good card. I'll give it that. What'd you think? Thought it was pretty good. Um, I've got to be honest, you're sitting uncomfortably close to me. I can't sit in that chair. I'm too fat. <laughs> okay. I like how close I am to the uh, microphone. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I thought it was good. I didn't see a lot of it because I was getting ready to go to that Steve Earl show, which was... I took the traditional uh, early prelim fight nap. That always, that's that been happening. I slept through the entire early prelims. Yeah, uh, I do the same thing and simultaneously cover them. So that's, uh, that's a secret that I'll reveal um, in a later episode. Um, yeah, but the early prelims, uh, we had uh, Julia Vila and uh, Penny Kienzad. Penny. Opening the card. Uh, that was Avila's UFC debut. She uh, last fought for Invicta. And Penny Kinzad was uh, back in the UFC after a win in Sweden. She, uh, of course, recently fought in the UFC, losing in the finals of the Ultimate Fighter to uh, Macy Chesson. So uh, there was that one. Then uh, Chance for Encounter. Penny lost? Yes, Penny I lost. I picked Penny on our podcast. So I was, you know, got two fights wrong. Mm. Ooh. Her right. name's Penny. Yeah, you know. That should have been a good enough reason not to pick her. But um, on up the card, Chance Rencounter and Ishmael Nardiev. Uh I didn't see this fight. Yeah, me either. Okay. Uh, Rencounter Ch- won. Yeah, Chance Rencounter won. He's 2-1 in the UFC now. Um, you know, this is a welterweight fight. These guys are, uh, you know, they're at the bottom of the ladder. Uh, it's tough to say where they'll end up. But uh, Rencounter, you know, two straight wins. Uh Solid. 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 Good for Chase Rencounter. Yeah. And then uh, final card of the uh, ESPN preliminary portion. Uh, fight pass portion is, uh, of course, Edmund Shabazian and Jack Marshman. Uh, what do you think about Shabazian as a prospect uh, in the middleweight division? I like him. He's got one tool that he utilizes pretty well. And... Uh, you look to develop some more of your game. I didn't see this fight, so I didn't see any development because I'm an asshole and a casual. So that's all I have to say about Edmund Shabazi. Uh I actually did watch this fight, uh, though it was yesterday morning. Was I uh, snoring? Oh. No. No. I didn't uh, snore? No. You, I didn't even know you were sleeping outside of the fact that you didn't move. For, I, I, I knew you were either sleeping or dead. I'd, or just giving up on life when waiting to die. Just closing your eyes. Your couch is probably going to be where that happens. Waiting for the creator to come and bring you back to... Uh, anyway, yeah, Edmund Shabazi and uh, beat Jack Marshman. Uh, it was a pretty predictable fight. Jack Marshman's a, a pretty a pretty powerful guy, but outside of uh, those those big punches, he doesn't offer too, too much, and uh, Shabazi took advantage of that and submitted him in the first round. Uh, I want to correct something I'm, uh, on the MMA Bullshitters podcast, uh, MMA <laughs> Bullshitters podcast. I said that uh, Shabazi should be matched up with Darren Stewart next. They've already fought, so... How'd um, that go? Shabazi won a split decision. Okay. But it was only a fight or two ago, so, you know, a rematch doesn't really make any okay. sense. Okay. All right, uh, preliminary portion of the ESPN, or the ESPN, uh, you know, pr- portion of the preliminary preliminary card. Um, Yadong Song defeated Alejandro Perez again. I missed this fight, but I knockout. Tell me a little bit about knockout. Yadong knocked him out, man. It was a pretty entertaining fight. Alejandro Perez always brings it. 
Uh, Yudong brought it just as hard, and one of them caught the other. Uh, it was not the most technical striking. These guys looked to engage early with bad intentions, and uh, Yudong got the win. It was a good fight. It was really entertaining, and I'm happy for Yudong. Um, I'm happy for my dog. I mean, what? 5-0 in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, is he 5-0 or 4-0? Either way, you're, he's undefeated. You're right about that. 4-0. Another, uh, you know, 145-er? 135 135-er. Looking uh, good. Young 135-er? That was going to be my next question. You know, he's 21 years old. What do you... Can you even predict his ceiling right now? Or? No, but, I mean, everything he's shown at 21 years old tells me that he's going to be in the sport for a very long time. And, uh, I, th- you know, a guy at 21 still has so much room to improve. And we haven't seen him falter. So you have to think of it that way. I mean, I don't see why this guy couldn't, by 25 years old, be one of the premier names in that division. He's 21 years old now. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, he's 21 years old now. His debut came in May of 2013. So uh, he's been fighting for a China long doesn't time. have rules. No, they don't. Uh, you know, he's only that. Interesting enough, he, every fight he's had has been in China, including in the UFC. Uh, his first three fights all came in, uh, well, he fought twice in China and once in Singapore. But uh, this fight in Vegas against Perez was his first fight in the United States. And uh, they weren't ready for Yadong on U.S. soil. No, I thought Perez was uh, going to have too much experience. But, uh, you know, so much for that. Um, on up the card, Claudio Gadelia and Ronda Marcos. We're not going to talk too much about this one. There wasn't much to it. <coughs> Worst fight of the night. Mm. Uh, it sounds like when you coughed there, you... I said worst fight of the night after oh. I coughed. Oh. It was the worst fight of the night. Yeah. And Joe Rogan even went, made a point to call it out on ESPN. That's actually what I was going to say was the most interesting aspect of this fight. The most interesting uh, takeaway was uh, that Joe Rogan openly criticized the action. Which, which he never does. Yeah, you really don't see him do that too, too, too much. Um, so I wonder if that was just a moment of frustration or... I don't know, I imagine, you always hear that Vince McMahon's always in the announcer's ears for WWE events, just yelling what he wants them to say, and I just wonder if Dana White was just screaming in Joe's ear. Um, I doubt it. Um, Alright, uh, on the card, Marlon Vera and Nolan Hernandez. Uh, I missed this fight as well. Um, I uh, was in the shower for this one on Fortunately, so I did not see Marlon Vera pick up what was his fourth straight win. Um, he's you know he's been around in the UFC for a long time, for about five years. He's only twenty six years old, but he's had mostly success. He's got several notable wins. He's beat um, Brad Pickett, Brian Kelleher, and then uh, since losing to Douglas Andrade da Silva, he's won four straight. Uh, with this latest being over Nolan Hernandez. Um, I didn't see the fight, but I've read and heard a lot of good things about Hernandez's performance. Yeah, Hernandez came to fight. He was obviously a very late replacement. Uh, that was a two-time replacement in all reality. Uh, but Cheeto gets the do- job done. Uh, why he doesn't have a number next to his name, I don't know. Uh, but I look for that. Yeah, it's interesting what you mentioned about how he was like a, a, a second replacement. The original replacement was going to be a guy named Draco Rodriguez who fights for King of the Cage. Um, well, I should say the original opponent was Sean O'Malley, but he was pulled due to a... a Picoso. Yeah, <laughs> an USADA issue. Uh, yeah, the count was a little high, I guess. Anyway, um, Draco Rodriguez was uh, offered the replacement by... Or offered 
the belt as a replacement. Uh, but And what is somewhat interesting, King of the Cage refused to release him from his contract, which is not something I've ever heard of. Yeah, um, it's not a good look for King of the Cage. No, like, why would you want to fight for them now? Which is a shame, because they've said... I mean, loads of fighters to the UFC, but that's just a, a weird move on their part. Um, maybe they had a big fight booked with them or something like that, but still maybe, not a good look. Yeah, there, there could, could be more to it. And now that you mention it, I do feel like I've read that there was something that made it make a little more sense, but I can't remember what it was offhand. So, um, anyway, uh, Hernandez apparently showed up. I'm sure he'll get another shot, but uh, Marlon Vera picked up another finish, second-round submission. Uh main event of the preliminary portion of the ESPN card. ESPN portion of the preliminary card. Eventually, I'm going to get this shit right. Um, Arnold Hernandez beat up Gilbert Melendez. I watched this one on my phone uh, during a few of the... Arnold Hernandez? Arnold Allen and Gilbert Melendez. I butchered. I, I love uh, Mexican Arnold Allen, man. Her, Allen Hernandez is a monster. Um, Gil, I slept on Gil. I thought this was going to be a finish. I love Arnold Allen's game. I love what he brings to the octagon. Gil showed that like he's not just an experienced vet. He's still a tough son bitch. Uh, Arnold Allen came to fight. So did Gil. There was a speed difference. There was a tough, I mean, like a power difference. Arnold Allen had both. Couldn't get the job done. Props to Gil for being the warrior he is. But Arnold Allen clearly won that fight. Yeah, uh, this fight was uh, a lot like I thought it would go. Just because, you know, Gil Melendez has always been notoriously hard to finish. He uh, he can take a beating. In fact, he's only been finished once in his entire career, and that was a, a submission uh, in 2014 Anthony Pettis. Um, with that being said, Arnold Allen uh, remains an interesting pop prospect. He's 25 years old. He's a guy that's fought um, five times, six times so far in the UFC, all of those being wins. Gilbert Melendez is probably his most notable win, but uh, hopefully he gets a boost in competition for his next fight. Um, all right, on to the main card. Uh, UFC 239. Jesus. I could not be a we're, game show host. We're rocking this podcast. Absolutely. Right I love it. I could not be a game show host. Uh, <clears throat> welterweight fight. Uh, to open the card, uh, Michael Chiesa beat the um, beat the Holy Spirit out of Diego Sanchez. Uh, he took him down early. He dominated the fight on the ground. Um, a lot of people like wanted to give Diego the oh he's a warrior kind of you know credit. Uh, I thought. That uh, Mr. Chiesa would come in and dominate this fight in most aspects, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, it was a great performance on his end. A lot of people criticize him for not getting a finish, but, you know, Diego Sanchez is one of the tougher people to ever walk this earth. What do you think's next for both guys, and do you think that Michael Chiesa is a, a contender at Welterweight? Diego versus CM Punk, book it. Uh, CM Punk wins that fight. Um... Uh, <laughs> Kiesa, a lot of people been throwing around Kevin Lee. I'm not uh, too. I, I'm not. I'm not hating on that fight that much. What I'd like to see is you know the timeline will match up for the loser of Dos Anjos or Leon Edwards, and I think either one of those guys they lose, they'll probably still be in the top ten, and that would be a good way to introduce Michael Kiesa to the top 10 of the welterweight if he's going to get there. Either one of those guys would be the biggest win at 170 he'll ever get. Oh, well, he's gotten so far. So, Kevin Lee, uh, I love Leon Edwards, Michael Kies. I think they bring so much 
differential to the octagon that uh, we would have to see who's we'd have to see who's better at their craft. Yeah, uh, I agree with all of that. The, those fights would be good for uh, Kiesa going forward, but I think you know uh, the money fight for Kiesa, and I, I just mean the fight that'll get the most eyes would probably be a rematch with. Kevin Lee, just because they have a little bit of animosity from their previous fight, and it ended, it ended controversially in some sense. I mean, Kiesa seemed to be out, but he never did tap out, so uh, I'd probably sell a rematch. I would be interested in seeing Kiesa uh, get that fight, but uh, I'd also, you know, the, the um, his name's slipping my mind, uh, fighting Rafael dos Santos. Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards, uh, Kiesa seems like a fight that we could see at some point in the future as well. Uh, as far as Diego Sanchez, um, you know, I think it's tough. I think he'll want to keep fighting. And he has shown, I mean, he, he, he's, he's recently dominated a fight. You know, that was uh, against Craig White back in 2018. But, um, you know, he, he's shown himself capable of beating much lower-level competition. But he's, he's not really able to contend with the higher-level guys. Uh you know, point being, you know, he, he got the hell beat out of him by Michael Chiesa. He uh, got knocked out by Matt Brown and Ally Quinta in the first round. And then Joe Lozano, you know, he's had a lot of rough losses in the first round as of late. So um, I think that uh, he'll probably fight, but it should be somebody closer to his own age. CM um, Punk. All right, I like it. Uh, Jan Blahoyevich picked up the biggest win of, her, of his career over Luke Rockhold. He KO'd him in the second round with a left hook. What's next for Luke Rockhold? Oh, God. I don't like Luke Rockhold. I know I'm not supposed to be biased, but I just don't like the dude. Um, Give him somebody he can beat at 205. I don't – I mean, a lot of the lower top 15 guys at 205 hit very hard, and that seems to be Luke Rockhold's problem is he can't get hit very hard because when he does, he breaks. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree. You know, I think that he, he always talks about this uh, modeling career that he supposedly has, and – um. You know, I, th- I think he did do some work with Ralph Lauren. Uh, if that's all true, and if it's not being overblown on his part, you know, maybe it is time. He's 34 years old. He's a former world champion. Uh, he has his place in history. He, uh, he had a great fight um, with Chris Weidman to win that belt. Uh, you know, I just think his, his, uh, his best days are past, and if he's got a, another outlet to make money, um, I think he should, should maybe consider retiring and move on to that. Um, as far as Jan Blahoyewicz, uh, Great fight. Yeah. Where, where is he in your eyes in the light heavyweight? Um, you got a very injured Tiago Santos who needs to, uh, you know, surgically repair a knee. That puts you out at least nine months, probably a year. I, I read both knees. <clears throat> oh, good Lord. Yeah. Um, Tiago Santos gave John Jones his best fight since Daniel Cormier. Uh and since he's injured, I'd love to see that fight run back. Now, Tiago might need a win. But that fight was very intriguing to me, so I'd love to see that fight. In the meantime, who at 205 is coming for John Jones? There's a guy named Jan Blahoyevich who's on a, a streak right now. Yeah, he's won five of his last And uh, a lot of people were talking about his opponent maybe getting a shot if he won the fight. So why can't Jan Blahoyevich get a shot? I think he's as deserving as anybody at 205 right now. Yeah, I think there's an argument there. I mean, he has come off a loss you know, not too long ago to Tiago Santos. But for the most part, he's looked... Really good um, as of late. And uh, like you said, there's just not a lot of good contenders at 205. Santos will be out. Um, you know, Corey Anderson is probably the guy to go with. He has a win over Blahoyowicz, so it was back in 2015. But, um, 
you know, I, I think maybe another win or two for the Hoyle Wish, and if Jones is still at 205, he's got to get the shot. But, uh, you know, maybe he could luck out and Jones will move up and he can end up fighting for the for the vacant title. And, uh, you know, that's got to be something the UFC would probably want is whoever does eventually fight for the vacant title, if Jones moves up and vacates, they're probably not going to want it to be a guy that Jones has already beat. And uh, so the Hoyle Wish could be in good shape in that sense. But, um, all right, on up the card. Uh, Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren. Your thoughts? Uh, I picked Torrey to win this fight. Uh, I thought he would be able to avoid Ben. Uh, he didn't have to avoid Ben. He uh, he brought it to Ben's face. And uh, it was something that a lot of guys work on, right? And a lot of guys, you know, it, it's an idea. Hey, I'm going to throw a flying knee in the first engagement because I think he's going to shoot. <clears throat> it was the right idea on Jorge's part. Uh, that knocks out 10 out of 10 guys. Uh, ben Askren, I'm not going to criticize his jaw or anything. He uh, he went in there. He overshot. I mean, like, he's a predictable fighter. And Jorge knocked him out because of it. I don't think Ben Askren's career is over. I think he might find himself in a title shot in the next two years. I love the dude. He's great at what he does, but uh, Jorge game planned well, and uh, good for Jorge. Yeah, that's pretty much all you can say. I mean, Ben Askren just shot, and Jorge Masvidal hit him. Uh, you know, it is interesting because, like you said, he is a bit predictable, and he just he immediately shoots. And the thing is, you know, he is predictable in the sense he knows he's going to shoot, but he is generally good at avoiding the big shots. He is. In this sense, he just, or in this particular instance, he just wasn't. Uh, and I thought it was interesting because he, he talked about, uh, on the Ariel Hawani show today, he talked about how when he saw, uh, or he was talking to Duke Rufus pre-fight, and he said, you know, I think he'll try something crazy to start the fight. So it's like he had, you know, he had in mind that he might do something, and he said, you know, I remember that he tr- he started the uh, till fight by just running across the cage and flying, kicking him in the nuts. But uh, it's like, you know, it's like if that's true, Askin really did have that result. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, it just sucks. Uh, he very robotically shot for that takedown. I mean, the slow-mo of it has been both arms extended, face towards the ground, looking for the leg. It it happens. Guys get knocked out. Um, but shit, it was exciting. Shit. I, I jumped off my couch. I was... Yeah, it was wild. Fastest knockout in UFC wild. history. A uh, couple more questions about this one. Askren... Um, you know, that was his second fight since 2017. Uh, he probably won't get more than about a 30 or 60-day suspension because he doesn't seem to have any injuries. Uh, but he did suffer a knockout, so he'll be out for a little while. Uh, do you think we'll see Ben Askren fight again in 2019? I'd love to see it. Uh, a lot of people have been throwing Robbie Lawler around. I think if Robbie beats Colby, he jumps a lot of guys in terms of rankings uh, just because he's Robbie Lawler. Uh, if Robbie loses that fight, I think you should run that fight back. Um, it, I, I'm not going to question the decision Herb Dean made, but uh, I just want to see more of that because what we got out of that was super exciting, and I feel like <clears throat> it's undetermined who the better fighter is, right? Uh, was that? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yes. Ben Askren will fight before 2020, and I can't wait for it. I think that this is the best opportunity that the UFC will ever have at making the Darren Till-Ben Askren fight. 
if that's something they actually want to make. Um, Darren Till's talking about 185. Yeah, he is, but he also, you know, has the history with Ben Askren. Moving up to 185 probably would be the best thing for him, uh, in which case Askren ought to fight somebody else. But, um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what Ben Askren does. He, he doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, retiring. I, I yeah, know. a lot of people have been talking about retirement. That dude has not taken damage throughout his entire career. He's very good at what he does. It happens to guys. Now, if he goes out there two more fights and gets knocked out in the first round, we have a different conversation. I, I think that's the big thing to watch going forward is, you know, the Robbie Lawler fight, it went the way it went. And had he gone and dominated Masvidal, this conversation would Absolutely. obviously be very different. This conversation is about Ben Askren being the next title contender. Yeah, but in two fights, you know, the, the Lawler fight came very close to a stoppage. And, uh, you know, he did recover enough to get that... Uh, bulldog choke, but it ended the way it ended. And um, like you said, it, we don't really know who the better man was there. It just left a lot to to be curious about. Nothing was definitive. And then uh, the Mazinoff fight, you know, it was very definitive, but obviously in the opposite direction. And it was it's kind of exactly what people, you know, people said Lawler or sorry, Askren would not be able to to to, to play his game with the, the higher level fighters. And so far, I mean, he's had mixed results in terms of you know he's fifty fifty in terms of win loss, but. Um, He's really only had uh, one good moment inside of the octagon, and it was when he got that choke. And, uh, you know, it wasn't even a clean submission. So uh, Aspen's really going to have to look at things, and I don't know what it They takes, threw him into the fire very early. That is true. He got to win his first fight, yeah. and then they threw him back into the fire. And maybe, I mean, you can't treat him like he's a prospect. Yeah. You want to find out what you have, and uh, this is an, ind- an indicator of what he is. He got knocked out. Yeah. It happens to literally everybody but John Jones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess maybe put him uh maybe put him in there with I don't know, maybe any, any one seventy. Oh man. That would you would freak out dude. That let me tell y'all. Cole would not sit down that entire fight. I mean, Damian Meyer would get one leg behind Ben Askren's body, and then it, and then it'd just be going wild. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm twitching just thinking. Uh, that's uh, a good matchup. I like that one. That's a good idea. All right. Um, all right. Jorge Masvidal. Where is he? Where do you think he goes from here? Uh, he's rooting against his training partner right now. Uh, if Colby loses, you were talking about everybody's talking about Ben getting the next shot. Jorge has a little bit of following behind him right now. He he's uh, he's staying relevant not only with knocking guys out very early, but uh, with his media presence. So, man, Marty and Kamara Usman is an animal, and I think the most deserving guy is Colby Covington. So if he beats Robbie Lawler, I think Colby will get the title shot, but. Jorge should fight for a number one contender spot. I don't know against who, if RDA beats Leon, something like that, or if Leon beats RDA. Uh, Leon Edwards, I think, is ranked like number seven right now. Uh, If he beats RDA, he'd probably jump to four, three or four or five. Uh, Jorge's probably going to be sitting at three or four after that performance. So that could legitimately be a number one contender's fight. Uh Somebody relevant, somebody who's winning, somebody who's in talks for a title shot. That's who I want to see Jorge fight next. Yeah, I think he'll, if Askren, I mean, if uh, Covington loses uh, to Lawler, I think there's a good chance Masvidal will get the shot. But um, 
Street Jesus is his new gimmick. How do you feel about Street Jesus? You know, I, it is what it is. He's, he's bigger it than is, ever. So it is what it is. You know, you can criticize him, but it's working. Um, Masvidal, um, you know, I think if Covington wins, I get the feeling we might see Covington and Masvidal fight. And as far as Usman, I don't know what the UFC would do with him, but um, I don't know. Oh, man. Colby and Jorge like each other. They do, but they I are, feel like they're not. I wouldn't say they're beyond fighting each other. They would have, especially if Colby has a strap around his waist, a legitimate strap. Jorge would absolutely fight the man. But I don't see either one of them leaving ATT for that camp. I mean, uh, how do you handle that? It's a huge gym, but yeah, at the same it's time, so huge. I imagine they would just uh, they'd see each other from across the gym, and probably uh, that'd be a very interesting scenario. But. Uh, yeah, man, I'm all for Jorge getting uh, very relevant fights or even title shots. I don't know what Kamar Usman's doing. He's uh, masterminding the art of not defending a belt, so good for him. Yeah, I mean, depending on what they want to do. I mean, I know that this probably isn't the, the, the most fun thing, but you could do a Woodley-Usman rematch and then uh, Masvidal and Covington. And I, then... I'd like to just uh, point out, that uh, this fight was five seconds long, mm-hmm. and we spent five minutes talking about the uh, result slash uh, aftermath. We'll probably spend a, a lot less talking about this next one. Why? Uh, Is it because they're women? Uh, Very family. No, f- that's your game. I love You're women. the one that's incredibly not, sexy. Not in an inappropriate way. Women are great. Very family. Very family. Very family. Patrick's mother a man lives in a van. Knocked out Holly Holm. What'd you think about it? Uh, you know, I really thought that Holly Holm would, uh, you know, kind of do what she was doing in the early going. Uh, but it just didn't last. Amanda Nunes is just, she's really good. Uh, you know, a, a lot changed. You know, it's, it's not that I didn't realize that, but just the way that she um, adapted and finished home. You know, she, she knocked Holly Holm out in the first round. That's... Uh, that's impressive. Amanda News is really good. Um, you know, I, I do think people calling her the best pound for pound fighter in the world is a little ridiculous. I think she's definitely up there. I think she's the hottest fighter right now, but I don't think she's quite number one. I think she's a solid probably three, but um, yeah, she's the best in the world at uh, women's bantamweight and featherweight. There's really no clear contenders. And there won't be unless Felicia Spencer is able to beat uh, Chris Cyborg. We, at what she is doing is she's making a very serious case for Fighter of the Year for herself. Oh, yeah. Um, Holly, you mentioned it. Holly, uh, Holly had a game plan. And honestly, up till that point, I think she was winning the round. It was a sequence of Amanda touching her one time. And then Holly got lost. And it happens to almost every fighter that stands across from Amanda Nunes. You feel one shot. And then you're lost, and you don't know, you don't want to get hit with it again. And all that time, Amanda Nunez is just closing distance and landing more. Uh, she's very good at what she does. We talked about the pound for pound. I won't get into it much. She's definitely the best female fighter I've ever seen at this point in her career, like for real. She is that, uh, that bitch, as the kids would say. Just, just think about this. She, uh, you know, a few years ago, Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg were like the face of women's MMA. And this is similar to what uh, Francis Ngannou did recently at heavyweight with Junior Dos Santos and Cain Velasquez. Um, you know, Cyborg and Rousey were unquestionably the best two female fighters, the face of the uh, of, of female fighting. And uh, 
of women's MMA and uh, Amanda Nunes stopped both of them in under a minute. Which is just kind of a wild thought. Let's hope she never uh, domestically abuses her spouse or her s- girlfriend. Because, uh, let's be honest, Nina doesn't stand a chance. Is the, is the charge the same if the woman you're attacking I don't know. is a top ten? I, all I can say is Nina doesn't stand a chance in that fight. You're right. Yeah. Um, anything about Holly Holm? Sucks, man. Uh... You know, there's been a lot of talk about a lot of guys hanging it up at the end of this card. And the one person I think it makes the most sense for is Holly Holm. She was a champion. She she lost her belt on a last 30-second triangle to Misha Tate, man. Uh, As a female combat sports, I don't know, as a female fighter... Her career through boxing, kickboxing, and MMA is almost untouchable. So uh, she is a legend in her own right. She will definitely be a, a UFC Hall of Famer, uh, even with only one title win and no. She's def- basically Matt Sarah. She's and the female Matt Sarah. She beat the greatest. Yeah, and, and again, uh, not not you know not saying Ross Ralphie's GSP, right. but just right. she had this massive one-off upset right. performance. Right, and you know the rest of her career, you know, since beating Rousey, she's she's two and five. Uh, and only, she's a great person, and yeah. she's awesome to watch fight. She's mm-hmm. really good at what she does, uh, and she's been competitive. You know, Misha Tate, she would have won that decision had she not caught in the, got caught in the submission. Went five with Cyborg, arguably beat Jermaine Durand May. You know, it, her career could be a lot different with a, with a few, uh, you know, minor uh, changes. But uh, you know, with that being said, the the bell of her career is always going to be that Ronda Rousey. Is win. she sleeping with John Jones? Uh, I don't know. Are you sleeping with John Jones? Yes. <clears throat> Speaking of John Jones, uh, he fought um, in many bit of this card. Yeah, against uh, a guy named Tiago Santos. Okay, heard of him? Okay, I'm gonna paint a scenario. A very competitive first round results in John Jones not, you know, dominating like John Jones does. But in the second round, another very competitive round, uh, his opponent just manslaughters his knee. His knee's done. Let's put it this way. You know how people used to always joke about how Tony, Tony Ferguson used to train by like standing on a ball and his coach would like hit him in the knee with a hammer? I, that's, I can only assume how Tiago Santos was training for this fight. With that being said, he's tougher than you and I. Absolutely. And uh, it ain't anybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this fight, man, this fight was great. Like What happened? He blew out his knee. No, I don't even mean that. How did he, with two blown-out knees, go five rounds and go to a split decision with John Jones? John will never admit it, but he felt those leg kicks early. He felt those right hands early. He did not want to get close to the man. And even an injured Tiago Santos was enough to deter John Jones from coming forward, landing his combinations a shot, and either knocking you out there or taking you down and finishing you. John Jones is the greatest to ever do it. Tiago Santos on one leg... Went five rounds with the man, and uh, I really think that dude deserves a title shot when he is healthy. I think if I'm Dana White, I am absolutely offering and mandatory. Tiago's, you got to fix that knee because we need you 100% coming into a fight with John Jones because that makes sense. We haven't seen somebody be so competitive with John Jones since the likes of 
Daniel Cormier or Alexander Gustafsson. And I'm not ready to put Tiago there, but damn, that was a great fight. Well, you know, and the thing is, Dana White didn't have that reaction. Dana White's reaction was, you know, he called everybody an idiot that thought that Santos won. And, you know, and I was surprised by that because Santos, with two bum knees, you know, I really thought that Dana White missed an opportunity to... To, to sell a potential rematch because it doesn't have to be immediate. You know, he can say, but hey, these guys are going to fight, them, you know, and there might be some interest in that. Um, maybe Dana knows something about John that nobody else knows about where his career is going. Maybe. It's possible. Uh, you want to know something interesting. If you take out the Daniel Cormier fight because it was overturned to a no contest, uh, since 2013 when he stopped Chael Sonnen, um, John Jones has one stoppage victory. Damn. Granted, he's only fought six or seven Ooh. times. He stopped Gustafsson. 2018, that well, the second fight. And, uh, he toyed with Anthony Smith for five rounds. He did. You know. He he's definitely he's definitely he's definitely not. Uh, it, it's interesting because you know he's got twenty he's got twenty five wins in his career. He's got ten knockouts, six submissions, and nine decisions. Like he goes to decisions so much, it doesn't seem like it. But he does. He just outclasses so many people. But it's kind of like Anderson Silva was. Like it's like he's so much better than everybody that he almost doesn't take any risks. Now Silva would obviously with guys that you know really fought him. I guess if you fought Silva a certain way, he would dodge and he would fight you. But you know, like Damian Maya, a lot of those guys, he would toy with them, and he wasn't toying with Santos. But he just didn't want to take any risks. It was the worst performance John Jones has had in the octagon as a champion. Yeah, I, I think you know if you look back, you know he looked he looked like he looked against Santos. Smith was just an uninspired performance. Gustafsson, murderous row, best performance of his career. Absolutely. One of them. Cormier, same thing, but you know the results are been tainted. And uh, that was my dog ramming the table. Um, anyway. Uh, then, you know, you got to go back to Ovin St. Pro fight. It's just, it's interesting. It's been an interesting few years for John. fight that doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, it has been. And, uh, you know, there's one thing about pl- playing it safe, but you saw a split decision. One of those judges gave Tiago Santos the second round. Tiago Santos won the first and fifth round. There's no doubt. John, you cannot be comfortable with giving a guy two rounds. And he seemed comfortable he, with he's it. He's very comfortable with it. I think there's a championship swagger about him, or arrogance even, that says they're not going to give a decision to another guy. And, uh, you know, Henry and Mighty Mouse was a very close fight, but we've seen it happen. We've seen them dethrone kings because they didn't perform the way – I. I it, it can happen, and if Jones keeps this attitude, it will happen. So uh, I, I'd like to see him, like, really, really refocus. It seems like he's just walking in this fight. You called Anthony Smith an uninspired performance. I think he planned to have an uninspired performance by Tiago. I didn't think he thought Tiago would be aggressive in the first round, but he was. And he just was so technical, which normally he's you wouldn't see. Bruiser, yeah. but, um... he, was, he fought a great fight on one knee. All right. Well, yeah, that uh, that's pretty much it for UFC two thirty nine. Uh, you have any final thoughts on that one? What car? Uh, T Wood and Robbie Lawler was pulled off this card. No, uh, that was supposed to be the headliner of the Dos Santos and Ganu card, and then Ganu and Dos Santos was supposed to be on this card. This would have been a fucking yeah. This would have been this was a great card. Yeah. Um, 
Edge would have been stacked. Man, damn, now. we've had some great cards. We've got some great cards coming up. Yeah, uh, real quick before we get out of here. Uh, UFC fight, speaking of cards coming up, UFC Fight Night 155 or uh, UFC on ESPN 13. Uh, that is uh, July 13th from the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about it today. We're going we're gonna to save that for Thursday. But, uh, you know, there's some really interesting fights on this card. Uh, one of the ones that I'm most looking forward to is uh, Darren Elkins and Ryan Hall. And then we've got uh, Nico Montano uh, returning for the first time since her belt was stripped. We've got uh, Andre Feely on here. And then, uh, you know, the the main event is Aspen Lyon, Jermaine Narandome. But uh, perhaps the most interesting uh, aspect of this entire card is the return of Uriah Faber. Um, what, what, real quick. Is it? Well... He's in Sacramento. The fans are going to go ape shit when he walks out. He's going to come out to California love. Oh, you mean is it the most interesting aspect? He'll probably... Um, the guy's fighting Ricky Simone is 15-1. Uh, and one. He's 3-0 and in the UFC. He's former LFA Bantamweight champion. And uh, perhaps most notably, he is 26 years old. And Uriah is 39? Yeah. Uh, Uriah might be 40. Let me see. Uriah. At 135... He is 40 years old, May 14th. At 135, I think, like, you look at the 35-year-olds as ancient. Uriah Faber is a legend of the sport. He will be a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. But, uh, yeah, Ricky Simone's going to bring it. It'll be interesting. This will be his first fight since December 17, 2016. And remember, he you know, he lost the Bantamweight title fight to Dominic Cruz and then really got just outworked by Jimmy Rivera, who was a younger guy. So, uh It'll be interesting to see, you know, what he does. I assume with a loss, he'll retire again, and uh, maybe with a win, we'll see him back. But, um, you know, also on that card, featherweight Josh Emmett uh, is taking on Merced Bechtek. So it's a, it's a pretty good card overall. And, again, we'll uh, break it down more this Thursday. Um, that's pretty much it for me. Okay, now that was PTD Radio, as always, with our distinguished ghost co- ghost, uh, co-host. Cole, BDC, Henry, baby. This is PTD. Uh, I'm going to get back to the Summer League game. Uh, I love all of you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you want to donate, uh, obviously, P-S-H-A-H-E-E-N-0. Uh, that's, that ca- that's on the Cash App app. So. Uh, and as always, I want to give a shout-out to the MMA Torch and to uh, the Scrap. Um, and I suggest you check out the number one bullshitters podcast available on um, the Jim Jacks Network, iHeartRadio. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's available there. And uh, yeah, we'll be back Thursday, most likely. And uh, see you then.